This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. How's it, Richard? And also Leandi Streter, a business coach and guide from Racecorp. Welcome, Leandri. Thank you. Okay. Uh, in the first half hour of our business skills conversation, we're going to be chatting to our guest, Kevin Govender from Ideation Advisory. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you very much. Nice to have you with us. Last week, we spoke to Cynthia Skuman on the value of business ethics. Remember that hashtag, keeping ethics alive. This week, we're going to be shifting gears a little. And we're talking about the shift of ownership uh, from access uh, or to access in the South African economy from the principle or the traditional principle of owning everything. So the shared economy. Now, Kevin, you're a... Uh, independent advisor, you, I understand you uh, have focused historically on strategy and innovation. Um, you've worked with the team at Transnet, uh, Ernst & Young, Discovery, Accenture, Netcore, Unilever. So you've definitely been around the block. You. <laughs> you've uh, seen a number of different businesses. So when we talk about ownership versus access, let's just frame the conversation. Give us some examples, both perhaps locally and globally, what are we talking about when we say ownership versus access? Give us the, the frame for this conversation. Okay. When we talk about consumption, firstly, we talk about it's the circumstances under, under which uh, people fulfill their needs. Mm-hmm. And you have two fundamental ways you can actually do it. You can either do it through ownership mm-hmm. or access. So if you look at ownership, what ownership talks about, it's saying is that product is owned by yourself. So you are totally responsible for that product. But when it comes to excess consumption, the products or the services or the experience that you, you use is owned by somebody else. It's temporary. It's paid for. It's a paid right for use. So it's, it is not owned by yourself and it's contract based. Mm. So, so the ability to, to utilize the out, uh, or have the outcome without necessarily having to have the ownership up front. up front. Now, give us some examples, both globally, locally. I mean, I'm thinking immediately, as you say, this our good friends at Uber, <laughs> the ability <laughs> to access transport without necessarily having to own the car, uh, own the driver, etc. Other examples? Okay. If you look at, for example, let's just, if you look at Uber, Uber is two things. It's a ride sharing. It's not a car sharing. So mm-hmm. traditionally, you look in South Africa, you've got Taxify. Mm-hmm. Taxify is a similar uh, uh, ride-sharing services to Uber. Mm-hmm. But you also got a company called Locomute. Now, Locomute is car-sharing, mm-hmm. traditional car rental, where you actually um, you actually go and drive the car. In South uh, Africa? It's a South African company that was started in South Africa. So what happens with them, they've actually started off a few years ago, and they have cars available in Johannesburg, Cape Town, uh, where you actually can go. You get an app, you register on the app, you pay an initial fee, and you f- use the app to find the car, you drive the car, and you park the car wherever you would like, and you walk away from this. So that's your traditional uh, 
car sharing mm. as opposed to Uber being a ride sharing. Okay. Um, so so I, I, I stand corrected because in my mind, I automatically go, you know, car sharing with Uber, but it's actually, I uh, hear you, it's a ride share effectively. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And then if you look. Sorry, I just wanted to say that sounds so interesting. Zip, it sounds like Zipcar, which was a, a, a company that started up in Boston many years ago. Um, I think they started up in about 2008, but they had a real problem with, you know, parking in Boston and in the U.S. is an issue. You, 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 you cannot just, you know, they don't have garages like we are used to South Africans. We love space and we have the space. And there, you know, it is. Many people in Boston don't own cars. So it's interesting to see that shift from Boston to South Africa. Okay, other examples? Other examples is uh, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you look at Airbnb, you also got, for example, Zambali, if you Mm. find housing. So what people have traditionally done, instead of going and living in hotels, they actually go and hire out an entire house. Um, Then if you look at other traditional examples is um, uh, bike sharing. Now, if you look in South Africa, there's two bike sharing companies. There's one that started up in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called, uh, uh, oops. Okay, we'll get to the name later. Uh, in, uh, Green Cycle and Upcycle. So oh, Cape okay. Town was Upcycle. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, owning a bike, you can actually rent these bikes. Okay. So that's another traditional model. But do you, you find that those people that are very um, attached to their bike would prefer owning them. Mm. But those people that actually want the convenience of picking up a bike, riding it, and actually dropping it off at another uh, park, uh, uh, drop-off uh, point are actually doing that quite a bit. And mm. you find that happening in lots of other countries as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I've observed that, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think in Beijing, in, in China, they tend to have this bike share type of arrangement. The bikes are on the rack at the station. You walk out, you take your bike, off you go. Come back, park your bike. The next guy takes a bike and off you, uh, and off you go. Mm. Yeah. And, and there, interestingly... All the same bike, so it's it, yes. it, it's you know like the the black Model T Ford kind of thinking, you know, all the same bikes, and off you go, and you're just using the bike, you're using it for 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 what it's worth. To give quick other examples, if you look at for example uh, DSTV, mm-hmm. uh, Showmax, Netflix, mm. so traditionally uh, people used to go buy the CV, CDs and uh, videos or, or DVDs. They buy the CVs as well. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're finding now, you're finding quite a bit of people are actually streaming these services. So if you look at your uh, our South African-grown business, DSTV, mm-hmm. you have DSTV, you have DSTV Catch-Up, you have uh, Showmax, and in addition, you have Box Office. Mm-hmm. So at the comfort and the convenience, you actually can access these things. Yeah. So the the good old and – and I think this is – this is a lot about what what we wanted. I wanted to have this conversation, and why I wanted to have this conversation is, so if I had owned back in the day the good old video store, you know, with a VHS and a wait for it, Betamax, <laughs> Betamax video store, um, and we were renting out video titles, then it went to CD, so and and um, not CD DVD, so now we're DVD rentals. Still called a video store, but <laughs> DVD rental. Um, in reality, I could have had a really great business. And I mean, I observed over the years many really, really great franchises running around. Guys were making serious money. They were, you know, these movies were going and flowing. I don't even want to know now what a, what a, let's call it a video shop owner is doing. But I mean, uh, they must be kind of just holding their head and going, oh, woe is me right now with the, with the way the world has shifted from – because they own 
the video or the DVD, and now access is coming via Netflix, Showmax, this Mac, you know, and the, and the list goes on. I, I do think the one interesting thing that I that I have observed in that space though is that for access to work as a business model, you've got to have the delivery mechanism sorted out. Correct. So as you know, bandwidth becomes more affordable in this country. We'll see see an improvement there in terms of of, of downloads, etc. But I mean, I was quite interested. My uh, so I happen to have Showmax and Netflix accounts. Don't have DSTV anymore for our friends at Multi Choice. Sorry, guys. And um, I, you know, I've always had the approach of download stuff before we leave because you're going to have really uh, trouble getting onto Wi-Fi elsewhere. My family recently traveled to um, a resort, and my wife logged in to the guest Wi-Fi in the unit that they were staying in, and calmly down or was able to download a Showmax movie without any fuss whatsoever. Okay, and, it, and we're not talking hours here; we're talking minutes on a guest Wi-Fi. And I'm going, okay, now that's a fundamental shift in that access space in terms of the delivery mechanism it's now not just about the wi-fi you have at home or at your, at your offices the wi-fi spots and the likes are now moving to the level where they just they're going to allow that access and once that becomes predominant across multiple environments and as accessible as it needs to be the reality is the world of that video store owner is under serious pressure. You've also find there's Wi-Fi sharing. Mm-hmm. So a font, F-O-N, through uh, MWeb. Mm-hmm. So what you do is, as your own person, you go and register onto this. Mm-hmm. You become part of their network. So what by sharing your network with mm-hmm. other people, it gives you the ability uh, to use their network. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, um, you have access wherever you go, and they are throughout the country. Mm. Yeah. So it's uh, and it's a M- it's MWeb and FON uh, font that Fine. actually allows this capability. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and font's been there for a while. It's not like that's a new new thing. So that's great, great from an access perspective. Now, I mean, you did a study, and I mean, uh, your your master's research was into this. It was into the space, and in that research, you identified six product categories. Um, and and if I'm not mistaken, those categories were the car, accommodation, books, music, m- other media, and bikes. And we've talked about about each uh, each of those as we as we've moved through here. But do customers and consumers react differently across these categories? I mean, what what was your what was your observation around how people interact differently across those those different categories? So if, if you look at it, uh, currently, if you look at the sharing economy in the South African context, it is not as prominent as the U.S. and the U.K. Mm. So PwC did a detailed research, and they predicted that by 2025, the sharing economy will be a $335 billion industry, mm. whereas in 2013, it was just a $15 billion industry. Uh, so what you're finding is people are reacting, uh, I think, uh, if you look at from an uh, mm. from a car-sharing perspective or ride-sharing, uh, when Uber launched around 2013, in 2014, they did approximately a, a, million, a, a million rides in that year. In six months later, they did two million. Yeah. 
So you're finding that uh, there is a shift from ownership to access. But in South Africa, as you know, people are, uh, a car is a sense of achievement. Uh, so what you're finding is that people will still keep their car, but they will use Uber services or these ride-sharing services as a convenience, especially if you're going out at night. You're finding a lot of people will use it if they're going out at night, especially if they're consuming liquor. Mm. Uh, so that's a big thing. So there is a different shift in terms of that area. So, so what you're telling me is that the restaurants and the the night event guys are actually glad that there's Uber around because it increases their their liquor flow through. Yes, but I mean it's a reality. I mean we 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 now actually. From a, you know, from a business perspective, it's actually irresponsible mm. to have a business event where mm. you don't say to people, we will Uber you there and Uber you back. back. Because Kevin, you need to take accountability yeah. for what your people do. Kevin, I'm also, I'm also wondering, just like as you're speaking, if, if, if the function of urbanization is not also going to lend us to, or lead us to, um, sharing assets yes. of all sorts, because A, um, homes and apartments are becoming smaller, parking spaces are becoming less, um, and people are starting to value having things and owning things less and having experiences a lot more. So the, how they allocate the resources, Mm. It's changing Yes If you look at it One of the things Is called burdens of ownership mm. Okay So typically uh, One of the reasons People are steering away From ownership Is because of the burdens Of ownership And things that constitute Burdens of ownership Is things like Maintenance of the Of something you own yeah. Insurance Storage yeah. So what If you look at What's happening With global, global population I mean we're talking about 8 billion people in 2050 2030, 2050 So what you're finding What you're going to find Is people as you mentioned Are moving to smaller apartments They do not have space To store things So let's take books for example mm. People There's people out there That love books And would like to have That entire room full of books But what's happening is They can't of, Because of the size Of two bedroom apartments And small apartments They can't have this So what they're doing is They're moving to people Like Bookmooch Book renters Where they are Taking podcasts so that's a different way And Audible is another example Where people are subscribing To these services mm. To eliminate that yeah. uh, You're finding also with cars People can't afford To have two cars anymore So you're finding That people are actually Thinking of selling One of their cars Keeping one car And whenever they need That additional uh, ride they, they, they right, computing to the thing And the same thing With music and DVDs mm. So what mm. you're finding Is like Apple Music Launched in South Africa Very recently For 59 Rand I'm not trying to market Apple But what you're finding is for 59.99 you can get access to over 30 million uh songs and the good thing is you only you only you can you can actually download these things as well a same thing with uh with music and uh, videos so mm. that's actually allowing them firstly you don't have to insure them anymore mm. you don't have to store them anymore you don't have to worry about maintaining them or cleaning them on a regular basis or any of those things so you're finding uh that's driving them and i you know, when i did the study i also looked at um what are the key uh, factors driving or the key drivers? And you're finding that uh, one of the, the, the four factors I looked at was economic, social, environmental, and technological. Within the South African context, the main driver uh, was based on the research study or the study group was actually economical. So over 60% of people said the reason they're using these services, so that's the driving force. But what has happened is with the emergence of technology and the fact that smartphones are becoming cheaper and more people are getting and connectivity is getting better. It's still expensive in South Africa, but it's getting better. You're finding technologically, uh, technology, uh, technology was the second driving force. Mm. Social was the third. It's the whole sense of community. If you look at the unemployment rate in South Africa being almost 28%, 
Lots of people cannot afford. Mm. So now you have the opportunity to experience something that you can't afford. So you're finding a lot. And then, but unfortunately, as much as people said environmental is an impo- important component for them, uh, a lot of people mm. found that to be the least important. It was other, the other three factors that actually made up uh, the, the reasons why. Yeah, but having said that about the environmental factor, the, the reality is, and I mean, we've had a number of shows on sustainability and the likes. The reality is, if you're sharing and there's less production, it flows that there's less production, less waste, less ga- you know gases produced from production processes, etc. Yeah. I mean, the reality is if we agree to share a car yeah. between the four of us in studio here, the reality is, yes, the car's there, but there's only one set of tires instead of four cars with four sets of tires, you know, and, and, and do the math. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, the emissions from the car might be the same because we're all dry, you know, we do cover the same distances, et cetera. But the actual, it's called a peripheral set, uh, elements are going to be re- uh, reduced. And the reality is the waste at the end of life of vehicle, we're now going to have end of life of vehicle on one car versus four. Correct. So, you know, you start, uh, you do start having quite a measurable impact if you start yeah. using that sharing yeah. economy. So, so what you're finding is the sharing economy itself mm. is direct, indirectly allowing that to happen. But when mm. people are making the decision, if you're not mm. environmentally conscious, it's not your main driver mm. yeah. to actually do that. Because if you look at the whole thing, it's all about underutilized assets, right? So resources are becoming, there's a resource constraint, so you've got to be mm. careful how you use that. It's all, and that's why you're getting the emergence of what you call the circular economy. Mm. So what you're finding is people are becoming more conscious about that and actually using it. Because if you look at a car, for example, one car can be shared among eight people. There's an mm. average statistic out there that say your car is only used about 8% of the time. The rest mm. of the time it's sitting idle. So how do you actually take this? And what you're finding is new car manufacturers are actually creating apps that will come with the car. And when you get this, you can actually share your own car. Mm. So, so Kevin, I wanted to ask you a question on that because for me, um, what comes up is there's various forces at play here. You have the, you know, you have the, you've got customers or consumers rather that are looking for, they've got the driving factors in our case in South Africa, which is mostly economical and access to something that we don't necessarily have to own or carry the burden of owning. Um, but then you still have the car manufacturers going, but I want to be selling more cars. So how, yes. what is your advice to like business owners? Because I got so excited when you were talking about the video guys, Richard. Because um, in Kilani, there is a there used to be once upon a time a phenomenal DVD shop, and those guys were brilliant, and their passion was movies, and they would come and give you advice, and they're gone, they are gone, mm. and I just think, you know, where are these guys? Had they known, and could they have planned for what could they have done? How what would they have done had they known? Um, so, how do you, how would car manufacturers have to adapt? To accommodate people who are conscious about maybe the environmental side or want to become more economical and just generally want to own less. So, so what you're finding is, for example, let's take BMW. BMW called it, uh, created a new product, uh, BMW Drive Now. So it's pre- predominant in other countries. So instead of selling the car outright, the car is actually leased through this process. So a drive now, it's an app again that allows you to find these cars, go and do that. So Ford to go has done the same thing. So what they've realized is there's a decline in uh, the sales of cars and with the economy where people can't afford these cars. So what they're finding is people are willing to actually have access to these cars as opposed to own them outright. Mm. So that's a model. Unfortunately, uh, BMW or other car dealers have not brought it to South Africa. But that is typically a strategy what other countries are starting to use more and more. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about in the property industry, we've got um, fractional ownership. We've got. Mm. Um, I was going to say, in a, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it's been we, around. It's been around yeah. in our world a, a, a little differently. Mm. Um, often driven by the economics. So, why, yeah, fractional uh, why, ownership, ownership was about economics. Yeah, you know why? Why pay? You know, uh, you know, four or five million rand for that house in Zimbabwe. When well, I'm only going to be there three, week, three weeks so a month, yeah. Yeah, so rather pay for my four weeks mm. by one month of the year, yeah. buy it for one twelfth. And, and, yeah. and in reality, is you actually paid a lot more than one twelfth, yeah, mm. unfortunately. And, that, and that's, I guess, the trade off in this is there is a margin mm. of, you know, if you stack up all the pieces, obviously somebody, whoever's doing the fractionalizing or the, you know, the, the usage yeah. calculation is, is making money on the side. But right. the reality is that you are reducing. Your direct cost as the as but, the participant. But what I like is that I'm hearing Kevin say to us is that you relieve of the burdens of ownership, mm-hmm. but you still have the benefits of ownership. Correct. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I must say, I mean, there's a lot of negative press right now about things like timeshare, for example. Yeah. All I can tell you is I I happen to be the proud owner of some timeshare at uh, through the Togosan Group. And my family has had nothing but pleasure so, from Tsogosan. So, so I suppose that's about the management of... That's the, I was going to say, yeah. it goes to... Not the model itself. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, BMW drive now, I'm probably going to be quite comfortable to mm. engage in that, in that, mm. in that model mm. because mm. I know and understand the brand. Right. So there's, a, there's now, I'm starting to see here as we're having mm. this conversation, there's a little bit of a trade-off of historically stable brands will will be okay here to try something a little bit let's call it novel and new mm. versus um I'm not so sure I would be comfortable to have Richard's car usage PTY Limited doing my my buyers you use car yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, because if you look at it I mean obviously that has a broader impact on lots of other industries for example the insurance industry yes. mm. so who do you own who do you insure normally you insure the vehicle but now there's so many other drivers doing using this car mm. you've got to insure the driver Ooh, so, 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 <laughs> so, so autonomous driving as well as the uh, sharing economy especially with cars becomes mm. a, a nightmare for the mm. insurance industry because it changes their, their, their business model. Yeah, I was going to say the the problem in the insurance environment is always the need to know exactly what they're insuring, manage risk, right, and manage the risk. And and I always go and and the problem is also the default position of well, if it's if I can't quantify it, it's uninsurable. Um, I mean, I've seen that happen so many, yeah. so many times. And you know, Leandi's driving style and Safia's driving style is worlds apart. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna proffer a view on either, by the way. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know, if you look, uh, for example, I don't know if you watched the movie It with Pierce yeah. Brosnan. Hmm. Uh, that talks about a real sharing economy because typically, what happened in that case, it was charter flights. So they had an industry very similar to cars where the rich people actually own their own uh, airlines. Hmm. So what has happened with that is people realize that, you know, it's underutilized to such an extent that it doesn't make sense anymore. And if I need excess, if it's available out there, I can get it whenever I need. So it's all about that. It's like having a drill at home, for example. Mm. You don't need the drill. You, you need, need the hole. You need the hole. <laughs> That's exactly you only it. need the drill when you need the hole. And, and that has also to brought another concept of the sharing economy called the neighborhood where people are saying is 
I can actually take things that I have and create an app, put it out there, which gives people an opportunity to share these things uh, and generate additional money. If you look at Airbnb, do you know that majority of the people that use Airbnb, the reason why they do that, a lot of them cannot afford the current uh, re- uh, the, the, uh, uh, payments. So what you're finding is they're generating an average of 28,000 rand by renting out their property uh, in South Africa. Uh, there was over 134,000 uh, people that used the Airbnb within the 2015 area, and that has increased. It was, I think, it was an, a 210 billion, a 210 million rand uh, generated in South Africa just through that, and it's wow. a combination. So, so, so you know, I I think of, let me call them and let's take this back to the traditional business models that we that we have. I mean, we've got the traditional business model of renting yeah. um, equipment, for example, in your neighbourhood. Now potentially we've got this usage environment that that springs up. Um, you know the the good old car, the good old um, you know C, uh, DVD shop. I think the world of business is going to shift fundamentally in in this in this environment. I think you know it's quite clear that I guess we could almost say you have to question whether the ownership model is actually almost dead. And if you're a business owner out there, you have to be asking yourself the question, how do I make sure that I'm able to shift my business model into a model where I can actually operate under an access economy as opposed to an ownership economy? That's such a huge psychological Mm. shift. (laughs) Yeah. No, it it definitely is. And I I think, you know, we, we, we talk about and we've talked about Things like change and managing change, and we're mm. going to have a show coming up uh, later this month on on how do you manage change and, and and how you focus as a business owner. And the reality is, change is constant, and if you're not focusing as a business owner, you're actually going to get left out. So, Kevin, thank you very much for your time. We really oh, appreciate. Thank it. Thank you very much. That was Kevin Governor Governor from Ideation Advisory. Andre, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Next up, we get a little bit more practical with our business conversation. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.